You're about to experience filling the air with words. Version 2.0, honoring Jane Shannon, who co-created this conversational podcast. Live, well, sort of, on the Zoom line, our friend Naomi Plant from Vancouver, British Columbia. You may remember her from a long time ago when we first rebooted Filling the Air with Words. She was one of our earliest guests, and now it's... I don't know, is it a year later, several weeks later? How long has it been since we've seen each other? It's just everything feels like a year. I think everything before March feels like the before times and everything now is just hard to follow a timeline. Yeah, I've read somebody. I thought that was quite funny, the before times. What does that mean to you, the before times? Well, when everybody could go outside freely and you weren't afraid of people coughing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The before covid 19 yeah a very dramatic pre-apocalyptic kind of term i read oh the man and i thought it was amusing well i know you've had a lot going on in your life and your husband has been sick and there's been all sorts of crazy things happening up there <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. very nice cough into your arm by the way that was that was an excellent excellent job so you're in what week four five-ish of kind of being at home-ish? Yeah, yeah, about week five-ish we got back. I'm trying to remember the date we got back from Mexico. I can't remember. We got we landed from Mexico and basically came straight home and have left our house twice since, basically. Twice we went out for groceries. Um, and then I tell a lie, I absconded in the night like Harry Potter, the night my friend came and collected me to isolate separately because as you said, Derek was Derek was sick. So I had to skedaddle for 11 days, which wasn't the easiest thing to do. Um, I was very grateful to my friend. Obviously, it was very selfless to take me in and she didn't really know. I said, are you sure? Like, what if I've been exposed on the plane as well? She's like, no, I want you here and I want you safe, which was really kind. Uh, but it wasn't obviously easy to leave Derek when he was sick. So... But you know, you do what you have to do. Everybody has to be responsible, so. He's much better. <coughs> much better. And you're coughing. A little bit. <laughs> I had no cough yesterday, and then I'm talking to you today. I'm like, great, yeah, cough, brilliant. Well, what was cool about your two coughs that we've had since we've been recording, one you did into your arm, and uh-huh. then the last one you had like a Kleenex or something. Yeah, I have a tissue here. Yeah, oh, I'm conditioned now. <laughs> so what what are you feeling right now about all of this my attitude's a lot better than it was like I was very sunny when I was talking to you and I remember thinking that that I'm like oh you know there's gonna be so many great things and I'm like ugh, I want to punch Naomi from the past <laughs> I'm much the same now and I'm, gl- I'm grateful for that like because my my mood and my attitude definitely took a dip um, I predicted it would. So because I was visiting my friend, and um, to explain, we didn't, I'm <laughs> visiting, I, I had to go stay at my friends for 11 days. Uh, we don't actually know each other that well. It's a lady I used to work with and we stay in touch and we go meet for food and we meet other girls from the office, but really we don't know each other that well. So it was a very big thing for her to have me there and like living in her space and her, her two cats that terrorized me the entire time I was there. I'll be oh. Honest. oh yeah, they were they were assholes, these cats, real real bullies. What did they, they do? Uh walked on my face in the middle of the night, jumped on me, uh like would open the door when you're in the bathroom, they can somehow force it open, like like I don't understand it, like the Chuck Norris of cats and they were in there like looking at you, like, I need a moment, like I need a moment where there isn't something looking at me. You'd wake up and it'd be on your shoulder, like just purring on the cat on the couch bed. So I had uh 
a love-hate relationship with these cats. (laughs) But um, I was making a conscious effort that because I was at my friends, I didn't want to be uh, very morose all the time and being very negative and stuff. And there were days like when I'd try and keep in touch with Derek and I'd ring him, but he wouldn't be able to speak, you know what I mean? Because his breath was so compromised and it would literally just be me talking at him and him like maybe sometimes texting me or whatever. So sometimes that was really hard, but I kind of didn't feel like I can, you know, I can't fall to pieces here and like burst out crying, even though I'm kind of scared about this. So when I came back the first couple of days, I was great. I was obviously so happy to see Derek and so relieved and back in my own space. And then for a couple of days, I kind of had a feeling that all the emotion I'd been holding really tightly was going to kind of like just come out and it did. And I felt a little bit low for a few days. I spent several days with some pajamas, exhausting Netflix. Thank goodness for Joe Exotic, but now my my mood is back that it's the same kind of thing that yeah it's really really hard and it's horrible to see the news and what people are experiencing and what frontline staff are having to do and then people who aren't in such a privileged position like me that have a home and a safe home like some people aren't safe in their homes and some people don't have access to groceries so more more or less I'm pretty grateful that I'm very fortunate you know what I mean and I'm just trying to remember that and yeah it's a pain but like lovely things that people are doing like my friend who put on the show last night um virtually and organized that with several other people and did um asked us to donate to who and to doctors without borders and then another friend came yesterday and at distance she dropped off some honey and i gave her some focaccia like that's real cute kind of stuff neighborly things like those kind of positives are what i'm trying to focus on how's the family in ireland doing <coughs> oh jeez no, sorry, the cops are so bad. I'm sorry. So I'm like, I'm close of water. <laughs> Great, Naomi. Um, my family at home are doing good. Um, Ireland is in lockdown entirely. So you're not allowed outside of two kilometers within your, with, from your home. And my dad lives quite remotely, like he's in the Wicklow Mountains. So that's something I'm really happy about because living pretty much downtown in Vancouver, like no matter when I look outside, there is tons of people out walking around. Whereas I know where my dad is, it's pretty isolated. Um, Cause my dad is over 60. He's really healthy, but that's in my mind. But himself and my sister are isolated up at our house in Kilbride. And he sends me little videos to let me know what's going on. So he sent me a video the other day. He has beehives. So he was there showing me about the bees and trees he's just planted. And you know, my sister's in the garden digging and that kind of thing. Um, they're doing well. Unfortunately, a friend of my dad's uh, died. Um, I think it was COVID related. Uh, they used to go on family holidays all the time. When my mother was alive, he went with these group of people. And unfortunately, that lady died and nobody could go to the funeral, which is mm. a really it's a really big thing in Ireland because a big part of our culture is wakes and things like that. People very much come together and support each other. So I'd imagine that's extremely difficult to be going through that and not be able to celebrate the person in the way that you want. But um, thankfully, they are fine. Same thing, their neighbours are being good. Dad is sending eggs up to his neighbours up the road and they sent down a leg of venison. They're all like, it's very cute. <laughs> They'll be churning butter next. Or maybe making cheese. Maybe, yeah. I would not be sad about that. I once had a, an Irish wake table. An Irish you, wake table? Are you familiar with the Irish wake table concept? I'm, I'm really not. <laughs> really? The table was wood. Oh, it was... you mean what somebody was waked on? No, not where they were laid out. It no, uh, no. this is a table. I believe that everybody who came to the wake left food on this table. Oh, okay. 
I, I feel like I need to look this up uh, for some yeah, range because if if you've not ever heard of an Irish wake table, well, like we do all bring food. Like right. I never I never ate as well in my life as at my mother's funeral. Like we had unbelievable food. But holy cow! Yeah, it's a big thing. At least on eBay, you can buy one for like three thousand dollars. And and the idea is that it's specifically for food at a wake. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I don't feel like any Irish people are buying these. <laughs> I know, isn't that weird? We just use our, our table that's there at hand. <laughs> well, it's funny because I remember the moment I went into an antique store and I saw this table and I thought, wow. And I believe it even had a sign on it that said Irish wake table. And I, I think you know that anything that says Irish, I'm like, okay. Uh, yeah, I got to check this <laughs> like out. A, like a moth to a flame. Yeah, exactly. So I was like looking at this table and I'm thinking, I have to buy this. And I, I think it was like $800. Mm-hmm. And I bought it and it sat in our living room for a long time. And then, you know, life, divorce, whatever. And I've completely, I, I wanted to keep it so bad, mm-hmm. but I don't know where it is. Oh, the Irish wake table. Yeah, I think but I've never, I've never heard of a wake. T- well, because we probably just call it a table. Like you go to Brazil and you have nuts. It's just nuts. Like, yeah. I don't. yeah, I've never, I've never heard the term. But that is true. That everybody, everybody brings food. Everybody is extremely kind. You have tons and tons of food. My friend, uh, one of the first things she said to me after my mom's funeral, so funny, and she was like. Yeah, it was a lovely day. It was obviously very sad. But my God, that was great chili. Really great chili. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so shall we go back to the other uh, subject of the day? We've talked about Irish wake tables. And let's get back to... <laughs> real hot topic. Yeah, hot topics here. Uh, COVID-19 in Canada Yeah. with Naomi Plant. What else do you have to say? I've, <laughs> I've been... A little bit frustrated with the Canadian response. Um, I think everybody's very patriotic and national pride, but I'm very proud of how Ireland has been handling it. Like Leo Bradker or uh, Tonsha, he he um, on Taoiseach, he shut everything down very quickly and shut down schools and shut down public places and had everybody on lockdown very fast. And I think I'm still surprised to see so many people with um, so many freedoms here not that i think everybody should be locked up and living in fear i don't think that's good but i just i'm still surprised that we have so much social liberty that people are still out running and jogging and going to the beach and doing that kind of thing but i think ultimately they've also trudeau is doing you know he's doing pretty well and businesses are closed non-essential businesses he has a lot of financial aid in place for people which is really really great um but yeah i'm just surprised by in some cases where you look, I look out my door and I can see so many people all the time out there, which is just such a stark difference to how it is for my friends in the UK and my friends in Ireland that um, I'm surprised, yeah. When you look at the US from Canada, what, what strikes you? <laughs> I think everybody just probably feels for, for America, you know. Um, <laughs> one of the things that Derek teased me about from the last podcast is that he said he was surprised it took me a full three minutes before I started ragging on Trump. <laughs> because, like, let, let's face it, even if you're a very big Trump fan and you're being the most objective person in the world, he's not exactly doing a bang-up job, <laughs> is he? You know, he's a... Uh, <laughs> 
he's making he's making a show of himself daily. Like it just gets more and more mind boggling when you look at his his uh, daily updates and things. They're kind of like, do you do you believe what you're saying? And I think the scary thing is that he does believe what he's saying, and his whole idea to open everything up and um advising people and he has a voice and whether we like it or not a lot of people do listen to him so when he's been so cavalier with people's lives it's um it's scary to watch like I was looking at a lot of things from New York and you know the makeshift morgue they had to make outside and that's like that's heartbreaking that's somebody's family their brother their sister their dad like it's just it's a lot yeah so I feel I feel a lot for America because it must be very hard for people who want to be responsible and are being responsible and going inside and then doing other looking at other people who are doing the polar opposite like it must be very hard because i i've noticed that about myself humans love control and we love predictability and i'm the very same <laughs> and i get very frustrated when things don't do people don't do things the way i think they should <laughs> and i'd imagine in these kind of circumstances in the u.s looking at people being as i said cavalier you'd probably it must be very difficult. Like, do you feel that being there? Do you look at some people and be like, what are you doing? Like when I saw the spring breaker stuff in Florida, I was like, yeah, that was pretty intense to look at as far as Trump and what he's doing goes. It's just frightening. It's completely frightening. I can barely watch what's happening, but there's no, there's no rhyme or reason with him. You know what I mean? I kind of think he's like an overgrown toddler narcissistic maniac toddler but he like there's there's you can't find any sense in what he does that's what that's what makes me afraid because he's so dangerous because he's so inept you know what i mean and that's like because if you're if you're somebody who has views that i strongly 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 disagree with like you know i mean it's bad enough to be a racist and a misogynist but when you're really really stupid as well and it's just and your your finger is on the pulse and the trigger of everything in america like that's very very scary i think it's great that people are so openly um critical of him and i don't think really yeah i can't think of any other presidents well my history wouldn't be as good that have been so openly openly bashed like every comedy special like everybody's doing really well out of that, the, the Trump era, because it's just gold. Like I was watching a couple of things. I was watching Dave Chappelle last night, which is hilarious. And he actually said he's never felt more American because he said there are lots of basically so united and hating on this buffoon. And then I was watching Wanda Sykes and she was talking about how when he walked up to Air Force One and he had the toilet paper stuck on his shoe and that nobody would help him. And I thought it was such it was such a great observation because you would run after a stranger in a restaurant to like stamp that down so that they don't embarrass themselves. But they let him go up to like the symbol of American travel, Air Force One with toilet paper hanging down. Nobody stopped him because that's how little respect anybody has for him. They're like, yeah, cool. That's actually a good look for you. It works. It's just a perfect perfect metaphor for what you are so tell me what else you're doing to make yourself laugh stay happy i've become mildly obsessed with making bread so um that's i've been doing a lot of baking it's not very exciting but it's um it's just something i can concentrate on for a couple of hours so i've been making focaccia and uh, giving it to friends uh-huh. um, responsibly obviously leaving at their door and walking away uh the ones who are nearby and um yeah, I've been making flatbread. I've been cook- baking cookies. I've just been baking like crazy. 
and cooking like crazy. We've never had such elaborate meals and breakfasts. Like yesterday I was shredding sweet potato and asparagus and tomatoes to make like a breakfast hash and then poached the egg in the middle of it and then had homemade black bread on the side. Like it's never been so, uh, so bougie in my kitchen. It's great. What's bougie? Oh, bougie is, a. Uh, um, it's it's like an it's oh my god it's like extra like everything's been so extra and over the top. And you're enjoying this. This opulent. is opulent. Opulent. There yeah, you go. Yeah, it's kind of like it would be the new opulent. It's it's there. You were saying you you wanted to be as cool as you're talking to other people. Bougie is a big word with the kids. Bougie. <laughs> and by kids, I mean people who are like I don't know twenty seven plus. I don't know about people younger than that because I don't know many people younger than that. Nice. How about music? Is music coming into things for you right now? Uh, Derek plays a bit of music around the house. I'm a big podcast listener. And then um, because we live kind of open plan and he's working during the day, I'm kind of mindful to not have things kind of going the whole time. But um, yeah, I was listening to some music when I was cooking and listening to some podcasts with my headphones on. So that's been good. Um, I really like the Blind Boy podcast. He's an Irish gentleman. And my friend recommended a podcast yesterday. Uh, my dad wrote a porno. And that's also highly entertaining. <laughs> my dad wrote a porno. Yeah. Um, and when I told my friend, she thought I was telling her, like divulging this as opposed to appreciating somebody <laughs> else's show. And, I was, and she was like, she kind of, her face was just like, I was like, no, 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 not my dad. I'm like, not my dad, somebody else's dad. <laughs> it's just a really nice um, break from reality. I think that's why everybody appreciated the Tiger King so much is because it's so off the wall and not even, you couldn't even think of Corona when you're watching this thing. And it's the same with my dad wrote a porno because it's just this guy reading ex- like pieces from this book that's just, you know, the usual 50 shades of tediousness. Like it's really hilarious drivel. But it's so funny is because he obviously, his dad took it quite seriously and it's three friends and they're um, British and they have those lovely accents. So when they're reading it, it's just even more hysterical and it's just so unrealistic and not at all sexy. Like it's almost like a science class, some of the language that he uses. So it's really, it's really evident that you're like, yeah, I can picture it was like a 60 odd year old man who wrote this. I believe that. (laughs) Wow. Can you remember any sentences that you would like to share? Not that I'd like to say this is extremely creepy it, it it opens with a scene where she's going for an interview and somebody asked her to take off her blouse and her underwear and she like you know agrees to that request like that's how off the wall it is i'm like yeah sure and you go into an interview that seems like a totally normal thing to do could you just remove your bloomers there please no problem so it, just the whole thing is just hilarious maybe i need to do a few episodes of filling the air with words that have escapism in them yeah well that's what that's what i like like at the moment um i'm I, I don't tune in for anything anymore i don't really look at the stats i don't look at anything if something because i'm because of what i follow on instagram like different politics things stuff from trudeau does come up and the stats in bc are actually really really good but i just i just don't do that to myself i don't want to look i don't want to know and i have a number in my head because i'm just I'm better off going into ostrich mode sometimes <laughs> just like no stick the head in the sand for a little bit I'll read about more when I need to so yeah I've been a lot of a lot of it's been like escapism because I think at the start it was so intensely everybody was talking about it all the time and now I think people are a little bit you know tired from it we are now into it when we first talked we were just getting into it now we're really into it it. how has it changed for you I'm swearing a lot more 
I, I can get a bit givey outy. Derek would be just like laughing at me, being like, you're so like your dad. If everybody doesn't in doing it the way you're doing it, they're doing it wrong. And I don't mean by how people experience this. Like when I go out to the balcony and I see tons of people right beside each other, I'm, getting, I'm letting that get to me a little more than I, than I should. It's getting very, very real. It's not that it wasn't real before, but just things like my dad's friend dying and I have a friend in Milan and good friend in Milan and her grandfather died and he's across the border in Lugano in Switzerland and she couldn't go see him. She couldn't go visit him. I don't know if they got to have a funeral, like things like that are just so heartbreakingly sad. Like, and then like, it's just horrible that everyone's having to deal with this. And it's kind of unbelievable that we're kind of like, this is actually happening in our lifetime. This is things that people will talk about in schools in years to come and we're living through it. And I've never lived through anything like this before um so when you think about it at that level and then think of all the people who are doing things that are really hard ordinarily like people who are living with illness and still having to go for things and I have a couple of friends who are really it's really lovely news they're expecting babies soon but going to the hospital for appointments all of those kind of things like they're things that are very very difficult already and then something like this just makes it insane like my dad such a sweet man he's volunteering driving people to chemotherapy appointments because obviously some people don't have family and friends to bring them. And then in this situation, like it's so, it's so dangerous for them probably even to get to the hospital and things like that. Like it's just the humanity of it all, I think is a lot more apparent. That's what's changed for me at the, for, at the start is the kind of panic and the anxiety and looking at the stats and, Oh my God, you can't do this and you can't do that. And everyone's kind of on a hamster, hamster wheel of panic. Whereas now I think people are kind of more accepting of what's going on. And then when you, don't think about all of the silly, trivial things that you can't do anymore that aren't really that important anyway. Um, like the big things are still there. Like our families are safe. We have access to, you know, food and water. But things like like people are dying and doctors are having to deal with hundreds and hundreds of deaths and the lasting impact that that's going to have. Like I wonder about PTSD and that kind of thing. I'm kind of focusing on not too much on what it's going to be like after, but the things that are going to change and change forever. Like that's just it's not some kind of weird zombie movie anymore you know what I mean it's long term like we could be like this for a year who knows like that's kind of that's changed I don't have the kind of oh my god panic keep ourselves happy keep ourselves positive do do this kind of thing I just have the kind of more level of just accepting and kind of going this is horrible hard hard things are happening to a lot of people it's going to be for a lot longer and who knows what it's all going to look like when it's over is there anything giving you hope at the moment yeah, the same thing as before. It's the, it's the thing that I always kind of get, like people are ultimately very good. You know, people are, I, I like to believe, I have to believe, <laughs> this is what keeps me saying. But like inherently people are kind. Like when you see that, like people doing things for their neighbors, uh, people knocking into people who don't have, who aren't mobile or people who are at risk and cocooning and making sure that they have their groceries. Um, nurses and doctors and custodians and retail workers none of whom go to work signing up being like yeah I'm, I'm totally fine with with dying on the job and that's the thing that's happening and there's being unbelievably brave and courageous like the things that you see from the medical staff and I can't even imagine having to deal with that every day like when my mom was sick we spent three weeks in an ICU environment and that was on like you know a regular kind of thing and that's that's a tough environment to be in so if they're at ICU mode all day, every day for 16 hours a day during the worst medical crisis of my lifetime. I can't even fathom the emotional and mental pressure that they're under. So people doing good just for the sake of doing good and for the greater good for other people and being so giving 
um, that's what gives me hope because so, so long as you have people like that still doing that and people being creative with being in touch I've never been on Zoom so much in my life it's not normally my thing um, but those kind of things like people are trying really hard to stay connected they're trying really hard to not only survive but to like live and take the positive like my friend popped over yesterday with the with something to give me at distance her boyfriend was with her and he just said I'm just trying to look at this as the gift like he goes look at things that are that I can take from it and he goes on the days where I can't he's like that's okay too so I think so long as people remain to do the things that they're doing being themselves being trying to give as much as they can being sad and they need to be sad being brave and they need to be brave I think you know it'll ultimately be okay it'll just be a long time before it's okay and there'll be a lot of hard stuff in between but you know, humans are tenacious. We, we were like cockroaches. We just want to survive. <laughs> that was beautifully stated. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Naomi Platt from Vancouver, British Columbia. Appreciate seeing you and having you on this wonderful podcast. I have a feeling as we continue through all of this, you will become a semi-regular guest, a voice. <laughs> That people can listen to and hopefully laugh a little bit and then listen to the humanity from Canada. Thank you. You've been listening to Filling the Air with Words, version 2.0. Find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, and Twitter. Dedicated to the life and memory of our friend Jane Shannon.